From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. You can't go see Santa, right? Like, if you go see Santa, how, do you, how are you trusting that he's not COVID Santa? It makes me look young. Also, it makes you look at my wonderful hair. I'm going to flaunt my hair when I get it, you know? It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yep, Cofield and Company live on this Monday. No Steve Cofield. He is out. And we plan on Wally Pipping his ass. That's right. I know who Wally Pipp is. Adam Hill, Jonathan Von Toba with you for the next four hours. What's up, buddy? Uh, did you just make a Wally Pipp reference just because of what we were talking about right before the show? Like you wanted to show that you know Something. people that were that were famous before you were born? Uh, yes, that's actually okay. 100% why I did it. Uh, we okay. will we'll build on that topic in the next hour. Uh, but we were talking very much about child stars, and apparently somebody we're going to discuss today is such an icon that he should outshine Princess Leia, and I just I don't know if that's the case. So, well, first of all, that's not what I said. We'll get we will get into it later. But <laughs> hey. uh, I also I also do I also do have a um, not a personal connection, but you know a good friend of mine has a personal connection with that person. So that Ooh. that's another reason I know who it is. Six degrees of separation. Okay, so sure. this is kind of the theme we're going to build on. I, I feel like I had a theme here. Old people and being old, right? <laughs> um, I'm super ageist, like like 100%. But in I'm kind of getting into the territory where I don't know if I'm allowed to be ageist anymore because I'm getting old. Like, for example, I woke up this morning, saw a commercial, and told my wife when she woke up, happy tax day, babe. <laughs> yeah, that's an old person thing to do. <laughs> For and sure, her taxes early, like you know, for the first time in my entire life, I did my taxes like well before they were due. You know, I I had glasses on while I was doing them. I actually, for the first time in my life, said, "Honey, do you know where the W twos are?" Like, oh my god, it's been a nightmare. I feel Oof. so old. That's a, that's that's a sad moment. Like, that's a sad <laughs> realization. But also, do you like? Do you? I guess like, what is your mental image of how old you are? Like, that's a that's a weird. That's a weird thing, right? Like, first of all, my mental image of how old I am is definitely not my actual age. Uh, I, I will tell you, there's somebody that, um, you know, that we that we know that kind of does some work with us. Uh, and the other day, like, I realized that we are basically the same age. Okay. And it freaked me out because I've always seen him as, like, way older than me. Is and I, 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 no. No, I think he is way older. But it's just it's but it's just one of those Jared things. Jared and Ari share the same thing with me. You could tell me any spectrum from fifty five to thirty five, and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> true. But it's like it's like one of those it's one of those things where like I can't even I can't even describe it. Like you just have like a like you feel like you're not feel like like not your body feels like, but like your you brain. have an image. Yeah, your brain feels a certain way of like oh, if I go to you know, if I go to a party, like, oh, the, you know, the old people, the adults are going to be the ones, like, cooking the food, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, I'm one of the adults. Like, I'm one of the old people. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, so I had that experience, actually, just the other day. It was nap time. So, you know, Diego is sleeping. You sure. know, me and, me and Isabel have some free time, do whatever. So she's uh, sitting there on the couch playing her Game Boy. And uh, I am playing a little Apex Legends on the PlayStation 5. And uh, just simply put, like you, you play in trios, right? So it's teams of three. 
Sure. And so I get teamed up and I got this. I have these two kids on my squad. They're probably at a, like at the most, they're like 11, like at the very most. And <laughs> okay. it's so great because they're actually talking. Like, like I expect children to talk like every five seconds, no cap, no cap. Oh, that's true. Like it just, sure. she's doing everything, every stereotypical child thing. And they're doing it. And I'm like interacting with them and I'm having fun. And then I realized, wait, I'm the old guy that would eventually pop up in my game lobby that would like I I would play video games with right. back in the day. I'm him. That's what I, that that is kind of yes. That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking about. Like you don't see yourself as being the the adult or the old person or the person that's getting older. Like you see yourself as the younger person, even though you're not. Like it's just it's a weird thing. It's a weird experience for sure. And I like I could not believe the other day. When I found out that person was like around the same age, I was like, "I've looked at you as an adult. Like, I'm not an adult. What are you talking about? I, I feel I'm like definitely an adult. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's the same way. Like the same thing with Adam Sandler, right? When he goes out and he joins random pickup basketball games, he's still like, "I'm I'm the cool young guy just joining some of these games. This is hip. This is fun." So recently, and this is like something that is regularly known, right? Like Adam Sandler will pop up like I think two or three times a year on like little videos on Instagram, just playing random pickup basketball games, right? And so another one pops up the other day. He's playing in a massive, what I think is like a salmon colored polo and very big gym shorts, still dresses like it's the 90s. Did you watch this video? I did. So there's two main takeaways. The first is the outfit that Sandler's wearing. Like, I don't know if he showed up in the park, like, was, like, walking by. He was like, man, I want to join that basketball game. I'm not really dressed for it, but that's fine. But wearing a polo to a pickup game is very much, I was not planning for this. No. The other, the other observation, Adam, which I know you observed immediately. You had to because we're all on the same wavelength on the show. Very bitter and angry people. He takes the ball down the right court, or the, right, the right sideline. Posts up really quick and dishes a dime to this kid at the top of the key. And the form of this jump shot that this kid has is so abhorrent that it's the first thing. Like, I had to go back and watch it 20 times. It's a LeBron-esque dime. Adam Sandler's got the defense sucked in. All eyes are on him. Who knows what he's going to do with it? Perfect dime to the top of the key. And I, I can you describe the jump shot that this kid had? It was, uh, have you seen a long came Polly? Yes. <laughs> so it was like, it was Philip Seymour Hoffman. It was his jumper. Let it rain. Making it, making it rain. <laughs> <laughs> it was that guy. It was awful. It was, and, uh, like, I, I'm thinking it kind of hit the rim, but it really just hit the backboard and, like, ricocheted straight out. Uh, yeah. Go on. No, go on. No, I just... I, like, I do feel like, first of all, you're right with Adam Sandler's attire. And I, I saw somebody tweeted out, like, Adam Sandler is never quite fully appropriately dressed for anything he does, which is true. Because, <laughs> he like, in award shows, he's not quite dressed up enough. And then at the basketball court, he's too dressed. Like, he's never he's never proper in his attire, which I can relate to that for sure. I, I understand that part. Does um, he only own, like, 4X shirts? Yeah, it's way too big. But it was a it's a weird look for the basketball court, but he also like he's always popping in a game, so you would feel like he'd he'd know how to dress. Or at least keep something in your car, right? Like this is my pickup gear. You know what I mean? If there's yeah. a random pickup game I want to get into, at least I got some gear. Dude, wait, do you? 
No, but I'm not an avid hooper like Adam Sandler clearly is. Like, he clearly not, loves to play basketball. I'm not either, but I, abs- I absolutely keep – I have a pair of tennis shoes, shorts, and a T-shirt in the car ready to go. Okay. And I almost never play. I'm like, if, I, if, I if somebody fair. wants to I play, have, like, let's go. I do have a pair of t- like, t- like tennis shoes in my car that I keep for like just in case. So, I mean, I at least have that. But how frustrated would you be if you if you were pulling the Adam Sandler? Because there's a second clip where it's almost identical. Another great pass and another brick. Okay. There's actually – so because you're right, there's a second clip of that. Have you seen <laughs> right. the, the third clip of this game? Because it's clearly the same one because he's wearing the same salmon like t- uh, polo and the white shorts. And I tried to find it, and I couldn't find it because I wanted to send it to you because the caption was like, Adam Sandler out here balling, but it's like a thirty-second clip, and all, and it's like four different ones, and all four of them are him on defense, and he's just like he moves like a total of like five feet. <laughs> it's like labeled as like Adam Sandler balling on D, when really like he's just guarding a guy that's just standing in the corner doing nothing. Well, the expectations <laughs> like just... are very low. Like that's right. the that's the benefit you have as an Adam Sandler when you show up at a game because like oh it's cool that you're here, but if you actually do anything, that's a huge bonus. Right. So I feel like that's we're judging on a huge curve uh with Adam Sandler. And his offense, like he's he's definitely a he's definitely a pass first guy. Like he doesn't seem to be aggressively hunting buckets, but it, he'll he'll get he'll get the ball to the right guy. He just needs better teammates. Team first guy. He is a team first guy. Unlike selfish athletes of today, Adam Hill is Harry Kane a total D-bag for wanting out. I thought this was interesting for multiple reasons, and I wanted to ask you, one, because you're a soccer guy, but two, Harry Kane is one of, I'm going to say, eight names in soccer that I recognize. Like, I will be able to tell you, like, that's a good player, and I know what team he plays on. So is this actually a big deal, or is this old man shouting at son, who cares, you're way out of your league already, the league has passed you by, the game has passed you by, go play wherever you want, bro. First of all, I think you might you might be overestimating. We just talked about underestimating ages. You might be overestimating. How old do you think Harry Kane is? Thirty four. He's twenty seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's that shows a young that shows guy. Well, because hasn't he? I mean, in soccer, I know they start young. I mean, he, I feel like he's been playing forever. No, I mean, I I get that part of it. Like he's definitely been prominent for a long time. Uh, so you might think he's a little bit older. Yeah, he's 27. He's he's kind of in Jeez. the prime of his career. He's got three years left on his deal. That's why it does kind of make it a big deal. Um, trust me, if he wants to go somewhere, uh, he's going to have plenty of suitors. And for for now, what we understand is that uh, both Manchester clubs, Manchester United and Manchester City, are both all over him. Um, and Chelsea, I think, is going to make a big push as well. Uh, but yeah, he he's at a point where he has been playing in Tottenham forever. Um he seems to just want a new challenge. I think what that also means is, um, you know, wants, wants more money around him, uh, wants more money spent around him and, and, and more high-level players, which they do have a lot of high-level players at Tottenham. Uh, but, I, you know, I think he wants, he just wants, you know, bigger stage in Tottenham while they are an elite, you know, club and at the top level um, in the Premier League. He wants the guaranteed Champions League every year, and he wants that that kind of spotlight. I think so. Um, he will probably go somewhere else. Uh, I just I do love that we have we have uh, prominently displayed soccer on the show today because I send in soccer stories every day to Steve. Never, 
do we get soccer on the show? And I think today we're going to have it, multiple points of the show. That's right. Hey, you know what? I'm this excited. is a youthful show. This, you know what? We're, we're young, okay, at heart, I swear. Uh, even though I'm old, I'm the 30-year-old creepy guy that was playing, you know, video games with 10-year-olds the other day. No <laughs> they cap? Added me on, no cap, dude. And they added me on P, the PSN, so I know I'm cool enough that at least we're friends and I have two, <laughs> for, two guys that are old with me. For 11-year-olds? Yeah, at least yeah, I'm cool for 11-year-olds, right? It's pretty good. Was I, it, I feel like feel I got like... guys who are with me. I'm guessing you didn't you didn't watch it. In fact, I'm almost sure you didn't. But there was a a sketch with and it was awful. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. But on SNL last week with Elon Musk, where they had like the the millennial hospital thing. I didn't see this. Okay, it was, I mean it was basically what you were saying is how the kids were talking was what this was about. It was a terrible, terrible sketch. Uh, but it was it was that it was like a doctor came out and it was all millennials and it was just like. You know, your friend is about to die. Like, no cat? Like, oh, no. It was, I mean, it was it was that uncomfortable of what you were just referring to with the kids without the humor that you were telling it with. What was more painful to watch, that or the Vegas Golden Knights completely outplaying the opposition yesterday only to be handed the one nothing, as the kids say, L in overtime? <laughs> I want details on this from you because it's clearly, if you look at it from a numbers perspective, when you watch it with your eyes, especially in the first period, it was a game that the Vegas Golden Knights clearly should be up one nothing, but as they call it, puck luck Adam was not on their side. So when we come back, I want to hear Adam's perspective on this. As the Knights are down one nothing in this series of Minnesota Wild, we'll run through some of the numbers to give you just a, a perspective on how dominant this game was of certain perspectives for the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll also hear a couple of bites from the teams, from Pete DeBoer, Mark Stone, Marc-Andre Fleury, about how this game went down in their eyes. It's Cofield and Company here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. A chance at the other end. Glove save. Flurry. Got a piece with the glove and deflects it over the cage on the try from Ryan Hartman. Play is in front of the Vegas bench now. Knights changing. Marcia so couldn't grab the puck. Right wing shot. Glove save. Flurry sliding to his left. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, tough loss for the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday. one nothing, one nil, as they say in soccer. I'm going to keep the five going. Against the Minnesota Wild. So down one nothing, of course, in the series. Adam Hill. And a really good game by Fleury. He was absolutely fantastic. A lot of good saves. A lot of good athletic saves. Uh, I'd argue a couple of the glove saves. You know, shots went right into the glove. But, hey, overall fantastic game. I'm being facetious a little bit here. So, And he, he was, John, he was the only goalie on the ice yesterday. What are we talking about? What happened? No, it's just it was it was just amazing to me, and I, I had mentioned it um, to you know some people up in the press box uh, during the game that like the amount of over the top insane like Flurry was great, mm-hmm. but like the amount of over the top insanity about Flurry yesterday, and oh. as you mentioned, a lot of it was Minnesota shooting right into his glove, and they talked about that. I've been on their uh, on their availabilities uh, both last night and today. Of like, hey, we need to stop just shooting right at his glove. You know, it's kind of making it easy for him. Um, but you know, Cam Talbot was unbelievable, and like nobody was talking about it. Yeah, it was insane. So, I will say, watching the broadcast, like there was a couple of saves where, like you said, Minnesota would like fire it right at his chest, and it would just be like, "Glory, good God!" And I was like, "All right, like, <laughs> let's." 
he was there were some really good saves and i didn't want to turn this into but that was one of my observations i was like let's calm down a little bit there are there is another goaltender that seems to be somewhat standing on his head and turning away, I think, 77 shots on goal yesterday. <laughs> it was like absolutely ridiculous what he was doing it, yesterday. Especially in the first period where the Golden Knights were absolutely dominant and Cam Talbot just completely kept Minnesota in the game while they couldn't play in the first period. Uh, and then they kind of settled into the game a little bit. It, but it was just amazing. Like, again, you don't you, – this is not taking away – what we are saying is not taking away from what Flurry did. It's just reminding people that when you're freaking out about Flurry on one side, there's another goalie playing just as well, if not better, on the other side. So, really quickly, uh, I want your observations on this. Let's play this first cut from Pete DeBoer, though, Ari, because you know you mentioned the first period. First period, according to Natural Stat Trick, four high danger chances, a very dominant first period for the Vegas Golden Knights overall. DeBoer talked about it as well. He said it afterwards. He said, "Look, I think we had enough looks. First period was disappointing. Set the scene for the rest of the game." You know, it's going to be tough to to score. We knew that coming in, and with Patch out of the lineup, uh, we've got to have other guys finish off some of those chances. So um, I, I thought we had enough looks to get one. I, I think for me, um, the first one's critical, you know, to come out of the first period with the type of pressure we put on and, and not to have anything to show for it uh, was probably – you know, the biggest disappointment because, uh, you know, they regrouped and, and uh, you know, the rest of the game was pretty even. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree uh, with what he said there. That was, that was a huge stretch of the game. And, and Minnesota, uh, both the players and uh, coaches talked about that last night of just saying, man, it could have been, you know, it could have been ugly after the first period. That game could have been over after the first period if Talbot wasn't absolutely unbelievable and just kind of kept them in the game and let them settle in. And then Minnesota did settle into the game a little bit. And I think it was because they got that momentum and that kind of uh, boost a little bit. And, I, you know, momentum is, is a weird word. But um, they got that boost a little bit from uh, being able to stay in the game and keep it 0-0 and, and stay tied despite being completely outplayed as they were in the first period. So uh, that was the Golden Knights' chance. I mean, after, after two, I believe expected goals, if you look at some of the advanced numbers, was about two and a half to one. Yeah, it, like it should have been t- like two point five to like one point one after two periods, and that it should have been, you know, kind of a you know an easy one for the Knights, and they couldn't get anything past it. So let's go to this the first stone cut, Ari, if we could please, because that that was the theme after the game, right? You're going to hear this a lot. There were two things that you heard about a lot. I thought post game, Adam, uh, it was we got to take advantage of those scoring chances, and then we're going to hear a lot about the physicality and, and the tightness of. Minnesota's defense, but let's hear from Stone, who after the game said, "Look, those scoring chances, we got to, as he said, it bear down on those." I don't know. Um, we got to bear down our chances. I think we had quite a few looks. Um, our power play was uh, had some chances to score, which got to bear down. Um, I think we we're kind of getting jammed up a bit. These guys are good. Um, you know, with they get plenty of guys in front of their net and try and block shots. Um, we got to find a uh, find a way to uh, to break them down a bit. So really quickly, let's hear him expand on that because that that is part of what we heard a lot of, Adam, was they play tight. They got five guys in front of the net. It's hard to kind of get in there and penetrate that. Stone kind of expanded on that later in the press conference and said, you know, what exactly the Knights have to do to get through to that? Well, they're blocking a lot of shots. Um, they got five guys tight. Um, you know, that's the way they play. They try to box out the uh, middle of the ice and, and keep you to the outside. Um, I think we can do a better job at uh, – kind of penetrating that 
uh, a little bit more, but um, you know it's a long series, so it's one game in. Um, you're gonna have to make adjustments as you go, um, <clears throat> but you know I think we you know, we can get uh, get our D uh, ripping some pucks more if they if they want to block shots. So you've watched all of these games. Minnesota's been an issue for them. You know, talk about making adjustments and everything. It's great that we know that Minnesota does all of that, right? But this is not a team that had success against. It is a long series. Should Vegas Golden Knights fans be worried after what they just saw? Because that yesterday screamed to me the old term puck luck, right? Like, you know, that's just some bad luck. You're going to get those shots on net. Those high danger chances don't turn your way. But this is now quite a few games ahead with it. The luck has not gone in their favor. Yeah, and and it's not – it is kind of puck luck to a degree. I mean, right. you've heard the Golden Knights say for a long time, and you've heard every team, like, you know, covering hockey and being around a little bit and talking to other coaches, you hear it all the time. Like, the more chances you get, the more chances you generate, the more high-danger chances you generate, like, they're going to score eventually, and it's going to happen. And Minnesota talked about that yesterday as well. After the game, they were like, listen, we got a bunch of good shots. Eventually, one's going to go in. And we knew that. We weren't getting frustrated because you know you're going to score at some point. Now, it took until after regulation for it to happen, uh, but they finally eventually did have it go in, uh, but it took forever for them to get one too. So I, I don't think you want to say it's, it's luck all the time because, you know, like we said with some of Minnesota's shots, like they look like high danger chances and they're they're in high danger areas, but they're shooting right at the glove. Like, and they're, they're just putting it right in the glove of Flurry. And, and like, that's not, like, that's not luck. That's, first of all, a goalie making a good play, but also you putting him in a position to make a good play. And, you know, his glove is obviously very good. He just consistently keeps shooting glove side right in, the, right in the glove. Like, that is not a good job by you. Even if you're generating chances, you can't say you're generating great chances because you keep putting them in the same place and allowing them to make plays with you. So it kind of goes both ways. I, I think, you know, you've got you've to just keep doing what you're doing and generating chances, but you also have to kind of change up what you do a little bit in terms of where you're shooting and where you're putting it on the net and not keep it do the same thing over and over again uh, and some of those things. But, you know, we've seen the theme with the Golden Knights. And I saw yesterday, um, you know, Tyler tweeted out that in the last 13 playoff games, the Knights have had more shots, more shots on goal and expected goals than their opponent 12 times. So they should be 12 and one. They're five and eight. Yep. It's so like this keeps happening. And, that seems and, like luck. <laughs> or lack yeah, of luck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> It is, I mean, to some degree, it is a little bit, and that's not a super long sample size, but it does tell you that a lot of the same things are happening over and over again uh, in these situations. And there is there is things they can do. I mean, you know, not having Pacioretty hurts because he's a guy that finishes a lot of those chances, and he can turn good chances into goals because he's really good at finishing them. Uh, and also not converting on the power play, which that's a consistent issue for this team they were there's only one team in the playoffs that they were better than they were second worst of all the teams in the playoffs in terms of uh, power play percentage and you know it continued again yesterday like they they could not they kept getting chances on the power play they couldn't convert and they really weren't even getting many great opportunities off of it like those are chances that you have to finish if you want to be um, a team that they you know if you want to achieve the kind of things that this team wants to achieve you've got to do that and you know they're consistently not doing some of those same things, and it's go- it's going to hurt them. So should they be concerned? Yeah, I think I think to some degree. I mean, one of the things you thought yesterday is that you were going to be maybe the more physical team because you got Reeves back and you had that fourth line that was going to be back intact and doing some of the damage that they do. And Minnesota came out and said we're not going to let that happen. And they were as physical as they've been in a long, long time. Uh, they set you know a franchise record for hits. They had uh, mul- they had two guys that set records. 
uh, for the franchise for hits. Uh, they're the ninth most hits, I think, since 2000 in any, in any playoff game. Uh, now, part of that, and you, if you talk to people around the league, they think that the uh, the stat crew with T-Mobile gives more hits than any other crew anywhere. Uh, but part of it also is that they were just really physical. And that game was physical yesterday, no question about it. And Minnesota wanted to match that physicality, and they did. And we've seen the Golden Knights, particularly Alec Martinez, be really, really good at blocking shots. Yesterday, Minnesota was like, we are not going to let you get shots through as much as possible. The first period, like they blocked, you know, they blocked 11. Uh, and as the game went on, they continued to block more and more shots. And that, that was helpful uh, to, you know, preventing the Golden Knights from doing what they want to do as well. And tell Alec next time, pump the brakes maybe on uh, blocking a couple of those shots, huh? Wait, what? Well, I was just making a subtle and not so good reference to the fact that he tried to block a shot and he got deflected through Flurry's five hole and they lost in overtime. Sure. Well, uh, by the way, we're very active on social media. You're, we're young. Uh, Sean Mangano tweets in, Vancouver and Dallas showed the blueprint on how to beat VGK. Packed the area in front of the net. Minnesota is merely building off of what was learned in the bubble. We'll have more on this. We have plenty on uh, VGK and their quest for the elusive Stanley Cup. Stormy Bonatoni is going to be with us in the next hour. 15 minutes from now, Dave Koken is going to be with us. When we come back, though, I know Adam is very jacked up. His Warriors get a play-in game. Yep, with LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, and we, dude, we got to wax poetic a little bit. Steph Curry, has nobody paid attention to what this man has done in the post, in, in this regular season? He's been incredible. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. You know, we just got to play to the best of our ability. We got to play Lakers basketball. We got to defend at a high rate. You know, we're, we're playing first, in my opinion, the MVP of our league this year um, and Steph. So, you know, we got to be you know, prepared for everything that they have. They got championship DNA as well. You know, they've been there. You know, they know what it takes and what it feels like to be in pressure games. So. We gotta be ready for that opportunity and for that uh, for that pressure. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 LeBron James never wrong. Best basketball IQ that we've ever seen potentially says well, that Steph Curry is the MVP. You're Steph Curry of your dubs. I would agree with them, but best basketball IQ. I mean, we just watched Sandler. It's very true. I mean, he very knows true. where the open man. He knows where the open man is. He can find him. He can spot him, pick him out, and hit him. Sandler's I mean, got that. He's got that in spades for sure. That was a LeBron esque play. I mean, how many times have we seen LeBron James just post up, suck in three or four defenders, and just just sling a dime across the court for an open three point shooter? Now, all the time. His shooters did not act like they were touching something hot and go like this really quickly when they shot the ball. <laughs> a, lot, a lot more professional, but so uh, hey. LeBron has surrounded himself with more talent than Sandler did. Yes. Okay. When he played pickup ball in his salmon pink polo. In, in the, I mean, court. was it? I think you're right. It was. It, it was more color than style. I mean, the style polo is a dumb thing to, to play basketball in anyway. But like I think if it's a different color, it's not as bad as the salmon. Oh yeah, well then, but I thought they were like if you watch the video too, I thought they were going shirts and skins. But then like one of the shirtless guys like flares out to the corner where he's posted up for like a quick like, hey, throw it out to me, I'll hit a corner three. So like I was just I was watching. I was like, how do you know who's even on your team? It was it was very confusing. It was very confusing. 
it was. <laughs> Hopefully, LeBron doesn't have to deal with that in the play-in. <laughs> he right, shirts versus skins. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. Warriors or shirts. LeBron and the uh, Lakers or skins. I'd love to see Anthony or Alex Caruso shirtless. Uh, all right, so Warriors Lakers Wednesday. Am I wrong to be excited? Like I'm very much excited for LeBron Steph Lakers Warriors. Like the NBA got what it wanted, but not really. Like I don't think they would love to see if you told them before the season, "Hey, the Lakers are going to be in the play-in." I don't know if they would really love that. But to get this matchup in one of the first ones, right, Wednesday, that's pretty fun. And, like, that I think is going to be really good. I'm excited for it. Am I wrong to be excited about it? No, I think you're right. I think the the NBA is also excited. I think what they want is both of them to get in, uh, which is is possible. I got to pause you real quick. I'm going to break the wall. Ari just flipped out about something, and I really want to know what. Ari, like, literally looked to the heavens. And like, kind of yelled something, and put Togepi. his hands up. Like, not, not going to say what we, I yelled. We, we all, we all are on camera with each other, even though you guys out in the radio world can't see us. So we could all see each other, and it was distracting. So sorry. Uh, yeah, it's clearly very big distraction. Uh, the Commodore sixty four just uh, screwed me on something, which I'll take care of on the break. <laughs> so okay. back to your uh, program here. Okay. So maybe Ari forgot something. This sounds like. That's really so anyway, not, no, 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 we're going to expand on this. I save things. I got one, three, and four, but for some reason, two did not save. It's very frustrating. So okay. when you see me run, that'll also be a distraction. All right. So Ari's going to leave the studio for the fourth time in the first 30 minutes of the show. Adam, what do you got? Playing? Ari distracted us. Just totally derailed everything. Uh... I don't. I have no idea what's going on. Now I just like okay, check so Twitter and I have no idea what's happening. No, I think the NBA is is definitely excited that they're going to play. This is going to be a huge ratings game, and um, for the way that it's set up, because I don't think a lot of people, you know, people that follow the NBA like yourself, John, like they knew exactly how this pl- play in format was going to work. I don't think it's, it's that confusing, but people are really thrown off by this. It's fairly confusing. Like I think most people expected. It was going to be seven versus ten and eight versus nine, and they'd have a little bit of like a mini tournament to get in. But really, it's like it's a weird like conglomeration of double elimination. So between seven and eight play, it's not confusing once you know what it is. Like you understand where they're going. Seven and eight play and nine and ten play, and the winner of the seven eight game, which would be the Warriors against the Lakers, gets into the seven seed, and then the loser of the seven eight game plays the winner of the 9-10 game and, they will and then be that post. team and then that team gets the 8 seed. The winner of that game, yep. Yeah. So the you know the Warriors and Lakers both have a big advantage, which is why they did that. Like if you did 7 versus 10 and 8 versus 9, you don't have that same advantage. Uh the 7 and 8 seed both get the big advantage to get the 8 seed and or to get into the field, I should say. Um and so it works out well. Like I th- I think the the format is good. I just think a lot of people were confused by it. And so, yeah, you, you, you'll have two chances. If the Lakers do lose to the Warriors, which they're not, you know, the, the Lakers are favored, as they should be. Um, if they do lose, they still have another chance to play their way in. So I think ideally the NBA would want both of them in. In fact, ideally I know they do. Um, and they have a, they, there is a pretty good chance that they do both get in. Dude, a seven game, like a best of seven Suns-Warriors would be so much fun. I would love every set. Chris Paul versus Steph Curry. And then LeBron James and the Lakers get the Jazz. Oh, and by the way, 
Then they get to who we'll talk more about, but then they get the Clippers who tried to avoid them. Like if they lose to the Warriors, like, right. oh man, the potential is so great for this. So you're a Warriors guy. Am I wrong in thinking that what Steph Curry just did over the 72 game season, he didn't play all of them. Why doesn't like, why aren't we going to talk about this more? This was one of the best seasons we've ever seen from anybody, just period, bar none. I think this is better than his unanimous MVP season, what he did this year. It was incredible. I don't think there's any question about it. But uh, I also feel like when you're, you know, you're overshadowed on a couple of accounts. One, when you're not one of the top teams in the league, people kind of overlook and say, well, who cares that you did that? You you barely got your team into the play-in, into the play-in round. So what does it matter? What matters because they they without what he did, they wouldn't have even sniffed the play-in round. Correct. They would have been way outside of it. He willed them to this point. And then the other problem that you have is that when you're that good, the expectations are that you're going to do what he did, which is completely insane. But that that's what it is. Like, oh yeah, he oh you mean Steph Curry scored a lot of points and made a lot of shots? Yeah, of course. Well, he did it on a ridiculous level. For those who don't know, Steph Curry this season led the league in scoring at 32 points per game. He was the oldest to win the scoring title since Michael Jordan. He had 38 30-point games this season, most since Michael Jordan. He had 337 threes, led the NBA. It was his fourth 300-make year from three-point range, most ever. He had seven games in which he made 10 three-pointers or more. He averaged 5.3 three-pointers per game, and he broke the Warriors' all-time scoring record. It's insane. And yet, and this is kind of the downer for it, and we talk a lot about like sports media, Adam, and I know you know we maybe get too high on the horse or whatever. Our show is not perfect, obviously. Uh, that's smarter than you, the podcast. That's perfect. But like the last few days, like all I've heard in conversations on, like we'll call it mainstream media, <laughs> is like, well, Steph Curry didn't make it to the playoffs, did he? He's only in the play-in. He's not great. He's not that good. Couldn't do it without Clay. And it's like, like, why can't we have some nuance? Like, why can't we look at what this guy just did with this team around him and realize, like, this is one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen? And by the way, don't get me started on Steve Kerr and the job that he did with this is a top 10 defense in the league. And yet we're not going to talk about Steve Kerr and the coaching job either. Like, it's, it's just, I don't know. I feel like the way we view our stars and what we do in terms of talking about them and sports media and our topics of conversation is just so whack dude like you got to give these guys credit well and and it's also you know like i was saying though it, it's if they would have been you know we know they were bad last year and there was reasons why but if that if they would have been that for like the last five years and then this happened it would have been like wow look at how incredible they are but because they were the one seed for so many years in a row and because they were champions like it's just expected well like it shouldn't be their circumstances have changed it's a different team it's a different scenario than they had in the past so what he did was incredible to to lead them to that point just because he didn't take them to a one seed like they had in the past like he took what he had around him and did this it was pretty incredible and and i think that's why it it can't be appreciated but it should be well a man who knows to appreciate athletes and just we appreciate him in general is dave Koken. He's going to be with us. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball. Uh, We'll talk about the season that's underway. We also have some controversies that we need to throw at Dave. And uh, I have a question for each and every one of the many guests that are going to join us today. Do they believe in aliens? We'll find out. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. 
when he got up there that he should imagine that uh, Rob Manfred's face was on the baseball. And the next pitch, he lit it up over the fence, baby. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, that was the awkward exchange. Uh, Nick, Nick Castellanos over the weekend clobbers a uh, home run after a fan apparently shouts to him to picture Rob Manfred's face on the ball. After the game, Nick Castellanos then allows the fan to go on the air, wear the headset, do the interview, and explains that. Uh, Dave Koken's with us. You follow him on Twitter, at Dave Koken. Dave, do you believe this story at all? Because I feel like uh, Nick Castellanos uh, was being a very nice guy. But for the most part, did the hate of Rob Manfred really push Castellanos to hit that shot? Uh, no, I'm not buying that. <laughs> I, I, I think he got a good pitch to hit me. And as he's done on a frequent basis the last couple of years, he cracked it. So it's like my theory. There was a game, it was like a regular season game like a year ago, Dave, where Chris Bryant hit a walk-off shot. And he told the post-game pressure afterwards, he was like, yeah, you know, I told my son – that I was gonna, hit, Daddy was gonna hit a home run for him today. I argued that he probably tells his child that every time, and that he just got one that day. Yeah, but if, it, if, it, if it's an extra motivation for somebody, that's all right. I mean, uh, you're still gonna hit the ball, though. Sure, you de- that definitely has to happen. I don't, I don't I, believe any know, of these stories. It's kind of like this. I could be really motivated to go out and shoot three under par tomorrow at uh, some golf course, and I'm not gonna do it. Right. So you still have to have, you still have to have the talent to do it. So, I, again, I don't. I'm not in any of that. Are we buying into Manny Machado being a dirty player? We saw, you know, yesterday the late hard slide right in the middle of the base pass. We've seen him do things similar to this on a couple of occasions. Is Manny Machado a dirty player? Yeah, I think he kind of is. Uh, it can be called aggressive. But uh, he's borderline. He, uh, uh, I, I would probably lean towards a yes on that. Dave Koken with us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dave Koken. All right, let's talk about a couple of news notes, and then we'll get to some of the other stuff. Uh, first off, Giancarlo Stanton, Yankees have placed him, 10-day injured list, retroactive to the 14th left quad strain. Uh, what do we make of this? Look, we know that Stanton has been in and out of the lineup, uh, but at this point right now, among leaders in a lot of offensive categories, home runs, he's got nine, 24 RBI, he's slugging 534. Uh, how big is this loss this time around? It's a regular loss because we know his injury history, but he's been playing pretty well, right, Dave? He has. He's been, uh, he's been in a good group. So in a Yankee lineup that really has not produced uh, the way it was expected to, this is a somewhat substantial loss, but the good news is they've got Boyd back. And, you know, Boyd's turned into a heck of a power hitter, so that'll upset it to some extent. How much? How much so, concern? Sorry. Uh, how much? How much concern do we have for the Dodgers, Dave? I, I I'm not concerned because I bet the under. But is it starting to get worrisome that this team just? I mean, there's injuries, there's people out, but we expected so much of this team, and they just haven't lived up to what we thought. No, well, I mean they, they can't stay healthy. They've had a, a terrible run of injuries this year, as have a lot of teams, and I think that's a, a big part of the reason that there's as much parity as there is around Major League Baseball right now. is uh, It's tough to find a roster that's healthy. Uh, and a lot of this, I think, there is some validity to the thought that the condensed season uh, in 2020 is leading to some of the injuries in 2021. Guys just not in 
as good a condition as they normally would be because of what took place last year. So, Dave, like, are we talking about, like, when we're looking at this big picture, though, for the Dodgers, right? Because, like, at some point, health, you would expect to kind of write itself. Guys get healthy and back in the lineup. I remember, was it two years ago? The year that they had played the Red Sox in the World Series, right, a couple of years ago, at one point they were like nine games-ish under 500. That was injury-driven. And then, you know, they turned it around. They become spectacular to make it to the World Series. Is there a point where we're looking at the betting odds in terms of either a division or futures where there's a buy-low spot for this team? Or do you think the odds haven't really adjusted enough at this point? No, I, I don't think you'll find a buy-low spot because the Giants aren't really making believers out of that many people. And uh, the Padres are playing well. But that wasn't a surprise. So, no, I don't think you can get much of an adjustment. And as I've stated a million times before, futures are just not good bets in terms of value. I don't pay any attention to them, and I don't know why people do. You can do, if you think a team's going to do a lot better as the season goes along, just start betting them individually and rolling your, your, your profits over. You'll make a lot more in the long run. Yeah, what about on a day-to-day basis with the Dodgers? I mean, we haven't – like, every day you look at the number and you're like, okay, they're still a massive favorite today. Uh, they're not playing up to the level, but we're not seeing much adjustment on a day-to-day basis on the numbers either. A lot of that has to do with who they're playing on a daily basis, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and they're still – it's not like they're a bad baseball team. They've just got a lot of injury issues. But you look at tonight, they've got Beulah on the mound against the team that swings and misses on a very frequent basis, it's a good matchup for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and win tonight. I didn't bet it, but uh, um, I could make In fact, with the way Bumgarner is pitching, uh, you can make a case for Arizona on that count. I, I would make more of a case for the under because the Diamondbacks, are, they're, out like, they're down like four or five starters. So uh, it's a good matchup for the Dodgers. It's one they should win. So Dave, Dave Koken with us, by the way, at Dave Koken up on Twitter. And, of course, professional handicapper. You can find uh, all the work at Wager Talk. So uh, let me ask you this really quick. You don't bet on awards, things like that, right, Futures? Never. So I do want to ask, though, from your sense of the way these awards have gone, how do you think voters handle Shohei Otani and or Mike Trout if they're on, like, an 80-win team? Because to me – Again, not necessarily for you finding value, just how the voters handle it, because I don't know if they get as that much respect. Otani's been great, but like, I feel like there's more value in looking deeper in this board than those two, because I don't know if they're even going to win 81 games. If the season would end today, uh, I mean, I don't, I haven't paid much attention to this, but wouldn't Tim Anderson probably be the MVP? No. So it's gonna, I, I, I don't see the MVP coming from the Angels. I think the fact they're not going to be a winning team. So let me ask you this. We're talking about the AL West really quickly. Uh, top of it, Oakland Athletics at this point right now, half game over the Houston Astros. What's the staying power of the Oakland Athletics at the top of this division, for, in your opinion? Oh, I think that's a good race all season long. Uh, Oakland's a solid team. Their bullpen was bad over the weekend, but it's usually pretty good. Starting pitching pretty solid. If they can keep guys healthy. Uh, Houston's got a tremendous offense, but I have some real doubts about their pitching. Uh, I, I think that's, that's going to be a good race all the way through. And, uh, and, and Seattle will be interesting because they're, they're getting better. They called up some of the young talent. I don't think they're ready to challenge yet, but they could be a major spoiler. Sorry, before we get you out of here, Dave, anything that you're looking at in the card today in terms of baseball? I think the White Sox are live. Um, Max Freed's back in good health. So 
and the Mets are very short-handed, so the under might be live in that one. Taiwan Walker's been very good so far this season. Uh, but uh, if it's an under, you want to play first five because you don't want the Mets or Braves bullpen uh, factoring in late in the game. So that's a couple I'd look at. All right, Dave, before we get you out of here, what's going on at Wager Talk? What do you got to offer for people who are out there and interested? Well, the hockey's been really good. It's just been fantastic. And I've got a money line parlay for Tuesday that I put up. It's on a couple of good-sized favorites, so you can probably figure out who they are. Um, but, uh, you know, pick and choose, and, uh, and hopefully we'll get you some winners. Thanks for the time, Dave. Appreciate it as always, man. Okay, guys. Take care. Thanks, sir. You too. Dave Koken. Wager talk. He said Tim Anderson, right? Yeah. 80 to 1 over at William Hill win AL MVP. Well, I mean, he's had a great start. And as as Dave said, like, it would be as of now. Well, I know. I'm just way, saying. Long way to go in the season. Of course. But for a guy off to his start, 80 to 1, if the good play continues, and that obviously shrinks, you could find something. So. Just worth pointing out. Just putting it out there. Are you going right, to put, uh, put some of your NBA win total winnings into that? Roll it over? Let me see. This, 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 this. Boom. All right, we're in. 80 to 1 on Tim Anderson. Let's do there it. There you go. Now we're going to have weekly, whenever I'm on Kofi and the company, we're going to have weekly Tim Anderson segments just to talk about like what he's been doing and how my Keep 80 to 1 today. tickets going. I like right. That. It'll be Tim Anderson watch. Uh, all right. Second hour. First one flew by. Uh, Ari is excited because he's never heard of the 50-40-90 club, and Kyrie Irving's a part of it. I wanted to go a little bigger picture, though, because I, I think Kyrie Irving's hated on for many reasons that he probably shouldn't. And we're going to get back to this debate of, I don't know, childhood stars and some guy I guess I should know and aliens. I forgot to ask Dave Koken. He's a man. I, get, I get, get him back on the phone. <laughs> Can we? Does he text people, Ari? Does he text you? Just text him. Text him and ask him if he believes in aliens. I totally forgot to ask him. He intimidates me. I feel like I would have gotten a now. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. All right, second hour, though. We'll have more on that. And then Stormy Bonitone is going to join us get the uh, VGK perspective on a uh, 1-0 series deficit against the Minnesota Wild. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.